So here we are, season three. Yes, exciting. Chit to chat. And the, uh, I remember, you know, when you first just kind of uh, said, hey, let's do something on lists. And, and, I, <laughs> and I knew this book and I knew it was short, right? This is oh, yeah. 60 pages. <laughs> so I started going through it again. And I'm looking literally the first, the first list, if you will, of, of the five ag aggregates is 14, 15 pages long. <laughs> no, I know it's, like, it's the same. It's like a quarter of the book. I'm thinking when uh, this guy, Latswa Kalapatsik, maybe when he set out to write this book, he says, I'll make a book of the lists. And he starts doing it and he does, because this is the, these are the five aggregates, right? Which is a huge topic mm -hmm. in, in all schools of Buddhism. Maybe he did that first one and he's like, he was thinking, oh, I'll just make a bunch of lists. And he did the first one. He's like, oh, I'm in trouble here. I know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all joking aside, he was a, a great translator, I guess. Just looking at his uh, bio here, one of uh, Padmasubhava's 25 disciples, of all things. And uh, yeah, he was a big, big time uh, translator at Samye back in the day. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so he did more than this. And I think this was one of the early ones that he did. Not sure. There's not a lot of information on him, but uh, pretty intense, pretty intense guy. Well, yeah, I think anyone to, to lay out a list, a book of lists like this, uh, really, like you said, piercing intensity as far as the passion of getting things straight. <laughs> yeah, right. And well, I think the purpose of these lists, right, is, is that they're meant to be unpacked. Like yeah. you, could, you could put this in your back pocket and if you ever wanted to just pull up one of them and, and read it, you would read it. And if you've been trained and, and if you've been, you know, if you, if you've learned what these things are, you, you unpack it as you're looking at it yeah, almost. So, you know, that's, mm -hmm. what do they call it? Like small, medium and large, right? Interpretate or commentaries. So right. you can go really, really big. And so this, I think is condensation of that. He calls it a categorization of Buddhist terminology. Okay, so he's just categorizing things. Uh huh. Hmm. And and it says with commentary, but the commentary is, you know, there's really not much of a commentary. Yeah, except for the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of them, yeah, maybe you get another page or something like that. But he really goes deep on the the five aggregates, the five skandhas too, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, if he if that was important to him that uh, he really wanted to put that out front, you know? Well, I've always found it very fascinating with, because uh, this is, um, this must be Galukpa. I mean, they're, they're the great list makers, aren't they not? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah like the, the lineage of the Dalai Lama. And I, at first I didn't understand, when I started studying Galukpa, I didn't understand um, why all the lists, you know? It mm. was ex it kept certainly kept me engaged yeah. and it was great for making up binders full of homework, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is, which is good. Uh, which is good. Cause then if you're really passionate about it, then you're spending time thinking about it, right? You're studying, you're taking quizzes, you're answering homework questions and it's really starts to sink into your mind. And then, um, but I did ask him why, why all these lists? And then it, later on, it started to dawn on me that uh, 
they really want to um they don't want to leave anything out for any kind of question there's no there's no room for doubt sure. in what is the the mental makeup of your mind what is the physical makeup of the world they're really taking it right down uh like uh, not using a microscope just using their mind which is the uh amazing thing right they go into these deep states and discover this and that um and then we can view our world that way yeah it's probably easier to memorize if you have a list if if someone just say let's talk about the aggregates if you if you know that there's five like then mm -hmm. when you hear that you, you your mind starts clicking mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah the form and feelings and so on mm -hmm. but I, I always had a hard time with this one um because they what you it's always told that it's a way that describes reality and the way that the mind's interpreting reality. But then I read it and it's like, I'm not getting the connections here. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I can see, sure, okay, like form, uh, sensation or feeling, perception, uh, mental formations and consciousness uh, to kind of <laughs> jump way ahead of, of this one. But mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, what is, what do you mean that, how does this, how is this working my mind? How is my mind working? Is this like, is this in order? Like I see the form of the physical world, then I have a feeling about it, and then I perceive it, and then my mental opinions or formations about it pop. And uh, it seems I've, I've read because I've read some interpretations like that, mm -hmm. and I'm always up for uh, someone uh, bringing a new interpretation to it. So I'm I'm personally excited. To, yeah, to hear what you have to say, <laughs> which, yeah. which which you've said many times before to to my very uh, slow mind, but you're very slow mind, eh, Greg? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's more dense. If you say so. If it's you say so. Slow, yeah. It's, it's dense. <laughs> I don't think it's that slow. <laughs> so uh, maybe just a little bit of thing. There's there's 44 uh, categorizations here that we'll be covering over the the course of the season. And then it, sa it says here in the introduction that they're basically divided into four uh, parts or in four topics each, uh, you know, in each section. So eight, eight times four, 32, there must be more. But so it has to do parts one to four, which we'll be doing here. We'll just go in order, uh, mostly with nature, identity, and mind of the person. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. good. Let, let's hear what they have to say about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I find amazing about this is, uh, you know, one way to think about this process of, uh, you know, going through these, like we can start with the four elements, which, which we should mm -hmm. at the very beginning. Um, the, the world as it appears to us, you know, being interdependent, uh, and also, you know, there is no, there is no one without the other, you know, like there's the whole idea of you only, like we only have a perception of a self that exists and seems separate from everything else, uh, like when that arises, which is unfortunately for most of us, a lot of the time we feel like we are this substantial self-contained unit 
mm-hmm. that is self-standing, self-standing all by itself, you know. Um, and these lists and stuff start to break down that idea. Uh, and it's almost like getting into the molecular structure and getting down into the space. And because I've meditated for so long and uh, gone to such deep places in meditation and also studied all these lists, I think hopefully in this in this uh, season we can we can get to that place where we understand that the way I make sense of this is like when you if you look through a keyhole in a door, right? Like you, if you peer through the keyhole of a door, and then you see the world out through out through that keyhole, and then say you're behind the door in a way, and that if you can imagine this keyhole being the light or the the very very ground of your being in a sense. And like there's this light at the keyhole and at the keyhole is before anything kind of comes into being in a sense. And it's all the potentiality is there. And as soon as the, the further you move away from this keyhole, the more dense reality becomes. And before that, it's all just a potential. It's potential. And then the the human mind or if you are a human starts to uh, relate uh, to itself and to other things as having these qualities self-standing qualities that exist like you know like a rock or a cup of water and which is actually quite physically you'd say heavy and gross compared to the innate not necessarily not innate uh, the the natural state of this being that we are that is actually limitless and space and this idea that we could contract down to this body made of certain elements having certain thoughts um is is kind of ludicrous when it when you see the big picture but then it happens like it exists in that sense of it does arise and so these lists give us a way of thinking okay yeah, these are all the parts of my body these are all the parts of my mind and that, i like to think of um the word aggregates like throws me off i, I prefer to think of it as parts parts, these are okay. the parts right um maybe because i was a concrete worker <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know aggregates kind of throws me off yeah, this is another one. It's heaps too, right? Heaps, 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 yeah. heaps, heaps, aggregate parts yeah. or, or scandals. Yeah. Take it. Pile, piles of stuff. Yeah. Piles of stuff that make us up, right? Interesting. And and what's wild is they go into not only physical things, but then they start. They'll go into like um, one of my favorite ones. Is they'll start talking about, oh, you've got like these fifty-one, um, fifty-one. What is it going to be here somewhere? Fifty-one movements of the mind. You know, right, and, and, right. But there's way more movements of the mind. But what they do is that here's the important ones. Yeah. And then they say, well, of those 51, uh, there's only 11 of them that 
are uh, wholesome and that will move you somewhere helpful. And the rest of them just give you trouble. You, uh, you listened to Lama Allen's video the other day. <laughs> oh, I did. I got, I listened to part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he talked about those 51. Yeah. And, uh, I thought that was brilliant the way he opened that up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sure. question. If he asked the five, um, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, which I'm, I plan on doing very soon. Um, yeah, it's quite, quite wonderful. So yeah. this, so this, so it's kind of what you're saying then the way that we normally are as samsaric beings, um, we're, we're just, it's a done deal. This is who we are. We feel separated. We're going mm -hmm. about our lives. If we don't have a Buddhist worldview or practice or any idea what any of these things mean, we're going through, we're in a state of ignorance, meaning I've always thought ignoring our true nature. It's not That's like, nice. like we're stupid. Yeah. Right. It's just that we're ignoring it because we don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of, you know, like I think you said dense, we're compact into this, mm -hmm. into this space. And the further we get away from that keyhole where we can see our true nature. So it's almost, uh, there's a thing, David Baum talked about implicit, explicit order. And he had this uh, idea that if you have a couple of drops and you put it in a, uh, a thick liquid and there's like a turny thing that you can have on it, like you turn it around, you, you, you turn this thing and it sort of spreads out throughout the whole liquid. Mm -hmm. And what you can do is you can, if you actually do it in reverse, it goes back to those original dots. So mm. it seems like we're actually in that, yeah. uh, that full, I think it's the explicit when when it's covering the whole uh liquid uh solid liquid in there and that seems to me like the state of ignorance that we're in yeah 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 and it's it's very very solidified very real very believable mm -hmm. very very believable and and then when you uh pop that right if you if you have a, an experience of seeing ultimate reality directly you see that you see the illusory nature of all of that and you know and a kind of a a clue or a hint as to the power of uh that solidified iconic structure of the mind even after you see it when you return you know with 100 percent certainty that everything in the scriptures is true it's all been pointing to this very this one moment of you seeing it in this directly you know darn well you're going to become a Buddha. You know darn well that uh, everything you've done before that has been based on selfishness. All these things you understand. But that reality reasserts itself, even though yeah. you know. And then, and then there's this time of subsequent wisdom that you experience. Uh, but then there's this, this could be a long time where you walk the earth with this vast realization behind you. But you can't help but you can't change the appearances of everything being looking like it's coming from its own side, yeah. but you know that it isn't. So you're living in this place, you've seen through the illusion, but it's so powerful. The karma is so strong. Um, and that's the power of it. Even after you have a realization, the power of it remains. I, uh, my, my latest, my latest favorite, analogy that, that popped into my head while I was teaching that last retreat is um, the the power of the truth. 
you know, and I like the keyhole, imagine like the keyhole being the light. And it's a small little light compared to you know, all of reality. Uh, and then you say like the human mind, a normal human mind is so full of selfishness and, uh, you know, by its, just by its very nature of mis misunderstanding where things coming from. Mm -hmm. And we often, I mean, we suffer, we hurt ourselves, we hurt other people, you know, we have rare moments of this unconditional kindness. And then we're back to this uh, state of wanting for ourselves, thinking we're going to need something to make us happy. And on and on, we have, you know, war, we have all these things going on that prove that people are stuck in this place. But my favorite analogy is like Star Wars, where my my latest favorite analogy is Star Wars, and that's like the Death Star, mm -hmm. you know? And then all it took was one little bolt of light to hit the center of the Death Star. That's all it took was one tiny moment of light, and then just it just disintegrates, right? The, the Death Star just falls apart. And that's the beauty of of the practice is you can have one moment, one brief moment of of pure light, and it just can it just disintegrates eons of negative actions like like destroying the death star, and suddenly you are a completely different being walking in the world, even though um, even though it appears to be the way it was before, you know it isn't. Mm -hmm. And how that kind of ties into the four elements is is an, is is nice because they say they they say the four elements, right? They call them uh, earth element. This is the first the the, the four elements, which is the first <laughs> four things in the list. It's of the... right right off the bat because we've joked about this before. The lists, <laughs> so we're so this the first one is the five aggregates. Okay, and the first one is the form aggregate okay well there's 15 parts to it okay yeah. now the yeah. first four of those 15 are as follows <laughs> it's like, okay i know you, you lost me <laughs> i know it's crazy um so we have right uh the four elements earth water fire and air yeah. what's wild about this is uh, when i first heard it made so much sense to me they it is said you know buddha said that everything has all of the elements. It's just that there's more earth in some things and less earth in like, you know, so there's um, earth, water, fire, and air. And each one of these and relates to a Buddha family as well. And that's a whole other topic, right? right? Uh, and they each have their own color. They each have their own uh, way of being. So they say that if you're a Maha city, then you have power over the elements. And they say, well, you know, how did Jesus walk on water? Well, he just knew how to, he knew how to uh, bring earth element, enough earth element into water that he could actually walk on it. Because they say earth element is like firmament, right? Firm, yeah. supporting. Mm. And you can do, uh, meditations where you notice in your own body like where is earth element where is water where is fire where is air and fire is all 
gradations of temperature. It's not just heat. Right. Right. In air, spacious movement, right? Uh, and so it's interesting. Well, to me it is. It may not be for some, <laughs> many people. If you look at any object and you think, okay, like what's it made of? It, you know, according to, it's made of the four elements. How much air is in there, <laughs> right? How much fire is in there? How much water? How much earth? Well, we have that in our own bodies, right? I mean, because these, yeah. these four elements are in shamanistic traditions. It, you know, Buddhism doesn't own these. You know, so we have earth, we're, we're solid, we have a body, we have, mm -hmm. you know, water, our body is what, 90, 70% water or something? I think this, yeah, 70 something, 72 or 70, something yeah, like that. Yeah, we're basically High. fire, we're, you know, little 98.6 matchsticks running around, and we have breath within us, so there you go. Mm -hmm. And if I recall, too, in the, uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, as you're dying, I think it's, yeah. these are listed in the order that they start to disappear yeah. when, when you, as you're passing away. Yeah. Yeah. And there's great meditations about that. Uh, like, I don't know if you ever had a dream, like you're, you're the dream master or you're, if, you, if you're ever in a, a state where you're falling asleep and, or you're in a, a semi lucid state and you're or a dream. And then all of a sudden you have this experience where you can't move. Right. And your body is, you just can't move it. And what's interesting about that is sometimes they say that that means that you've lost your era, your earth element. Something has taken your earth element. You have no, you have no support, nothing, no ground to get up from. Mm -hmm. um, and you'd almost think it was the opposite as if you had too much earth, but they're saying, they say that actually what it is, is you have no earth is that you can't get up because there's no ground. Yeah. Right. I, I used to have that experience once in a while when I was, uh, working in, um, in concrete sometimes like, uh, and I, I had been doing all these meditations, these subtle body meditations and part of, well, the, the, always the very first part of those meditations would you do, you do this grounding thing where you would connect to the center of the earth, right? Very which common. is amazing. Because there's something going on there, right? You're actually visualizing it and you actually, you feel it mm -hmm. and you feel yourself connected, almost like being sucked onto the earth. And I don't know if I told you, I, we, I was in a class and then we did this exercise and I had mine really humming and there was a guy behind me who was twice my weight and he could not pick me up off the ground. Oh yeah, I remember that. Right? It was very, okay, there's something to this and I've experienced myself at work and then all of a sudden there's no, uh, I feel like I have no ground, but in the reverse that I feel like I'm going to float away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to float away and a, a feeling of trepidation, a feeling of fear, like I've suddenly lost my ground. And so then it's like, okay, well, what's happened? If, if am I all air right now? Am I, have I, I think it's depending on how you look at it, but that these elements are essential in the way that we live and the way we have in our bodies. And when we, when they're out of balance, things get weird.
Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, and you know, I've been doing all this uh, studying about these elements and doing uh, yoga practices around them and stuff. And then when my mother was passing away, mm -hmm. uh, it was wild. Uh, it was profound, you know, to be with her through that process and watch the elements just begin to leave her body. You know, like all of her moisture mm -hmm. just began to began to leave, and she just started shrinking up. Yeah, you know, right in front of me, in front of us, and I was like, "Wow, well, there goes the water element." Mm. You know, um, and into and in they often. They don't mention space here, which is interesting, because yeah. another element that's often, especially in relation to the five Buddha families, is space. Um, yeah. So, um, so there's 15 form aggregates, they're the elements, and then the physical manifestations stemming from that. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then it says here in the text, it is through the combination of permutations of the four elements that the body, its sense organs, and even the objects of the sense organs arise. So the mm -hmm. objects <laughs> of the sense organs are those the things that we're experiencing? Is that what they mean? Is that what he means? Yeah, I believe that's what he means. How we, how we relate to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because like, if you take it back to, well, in, okay. Everything has, well, they would say four elements or all five elements, but, you know, taking it back to the keyhole idea, you know, it's, it all comes from one place. So if we want to get, you know, pretty deep, pretty quick, right from the start, if every single phenomena that we experience is like an effulgent display of our true nature, which is not a person that you could point to is, you know, it's outside the conventional idea of existence, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and everything is arising from there. So if you reverse it all, it comes back, it goes back down to that place. And, you know, and the elements dissolve, you're back down to just space, just space. Yeah. Just space. Right. So, and then the further out you go, the more um, condensed it is or more dense it is, and so, and how that relates to like these ideas of the five Buddha families, it's really just, you have, you know, the human mind immediately sees five different beings or five different elements. And that's what we do. We segregate things because of our uh, nature of dividing and, you know, I am here and you are there. And so, but it's not like that. It's like, every single enlightened being has all the qualities of all the five buddha families mm. you know and it's, it's just like every person has all the elements in whatever form that they may be appearing and that, that form is going to be very pure like like merit induced pure form of of uh, bodhicitta and compassion or it's going to be a more samsaric human kind of form. But so these same elements and these same the visual factor, auditory faculty, all of these elements, they're experienced in a very gross way or a very light way. 
And if you're a totally enlightened being, you're experiencing these from that perspective. All you, of them. All of them. Yeah. You know? It's true. I think it's true what you say when you see someone, you go, oh, that, that person is spacey or they're an yeah. airhead or that, that guy's really down to earth. Yeah. You, you, know? you, you sense that, right? You go with the flow, water. Yeah. Yeah. And some people are like, some people you want to just bring them down to earth, right? They're like in the clouds. He's like, well, I just like, come back, you know, come back down here. Like you're missing everything, mm -hmm. you know? Like an example, they've got uh, visual faculty here mm -hmm. as being one of the physical manifestations stemming from the four elements. Visual faculty, which is the ability to see, right? Um, and then when it comes down to the element, that's, they say, relative to water which is relative to, you know, the Buddha viral chanting. We're not, we're not, I just, I threw that in there because I can't help it. But, um, so each one is related to something else. And they say like sound, but they say, they say sound is related to space, mm. which they don't mention here, which maybe more is more like air. Yeah, because there's what, uh, there's 11, of the others and there's four of the others so yeah. it's not going to be one-to-one -one matchup yeah but here's the magic here is like we've all heard well not all of us we've heard this story about like the they say you know a modern example would be like where's the car right they have is the car parts or is it one thing is it many things or where is the car and there's this um this really cool story in the uh, that that actually Osho tells, and he get on his commentary to uh, to Lopez letter to Naropa, and he talks about this uh, great sage that this great king hears about, and uh, and this sage is saying like you know people are saying the sage has attained, he's attained, you know, and the king's like, who is this person who's attained, right? Mm. And uh, the sage says, well, nobody, I'm no one. I don't, I'm no one. And the king's like, of course you're someone, you know, you, you must be someone. And then, so he sends out a messenger to invite him. And he says, I'll prove that he's someone. I'll prove that he's someone just by, by, by him arriving, he'll be someone. And so of course the sage, uh, takes up the king on his offer and shows up and he shows up on a cart pulled by a donkey or whatever. And, uh, the king says to him, well, See, you're someone, you're here, you've arrived. And the sage says, uh, no, there's no one here. I, I, I'm, there's no one here, just the same. I've arrived. And it's King's like, that's, that's impossible. I see you before me, you're here. And he says, okay. And then what he does is he instructs his, um, his attendants to start taking apart the cart. And they start taking off the wheels, you know, and all this. And then, uh, he starts asking the king, okay, well, you know, is the cart the wheel, right? They take the whole thing apart and go, where's the cart? And the king is freaking out. He's like, okay, well, you just took apart the cart. And is the cart in the wheel? Is the cart in the axle? Is the cart in this part? And then the king kind of gets it and he realizes, well, the cart was really only there as, for as long as he called it a cart, right? It was only a cart when he labeled it a cart. And uh, then he understood 
that, you know, the kind of the trick about the, are we one or many? Are we, are we parts, you know? And then, so this is a great way of understanding that. Like if you start uh, taking away, you know, what are you? Are you your visual factor, faculty? Are you your, uh, you know, are you your hearing? Are you your sight? Are you the sound? Are you the fact that you can make sound with your mouth? Is it, and is it because we're identifying with that? It's like you say, I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I taste that. Yeah. And we think, we think that I am something self-standing, not made up of a bunch of parts yeah. that are happening so fast, like a, you know, rising like a movie so fast. Like they say 65 karmic perceptions per finger snap, right? Which is enough to make it look like a real movie. And mm. we think that everybody that's looking at us is is seeing the thing that we think we are. Right. And so if we can start to understand these uh, these parts, it's what they're doing. They're saying, okay, you're made up of all of these parts. And the trick is they're, is they're going to get you to go, okay, well, wait a minute. What am I? Yeah, and what are those parts like? I think it's every seven years your body regenerates. You're not the same cell at the cell level. So right. if you're trying to think of, you know, here you are at 40 or 50 or something, and you're you're not the same. It's like the, the philosophical question of, well, if, if a boat, if you replace every part on it over the course of 50 years, is it still the original boat? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Are, are you you just because right now you think, well, I, clearly I'm here. I have this body, you know, well, it's not going to be there in seven years. It's going to be radically different. And then at one point it's not going to be there at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we're basing our perception of ourselves on this, uh, you know, collection of parts and calling it something. <laughs> and at some point it will be gone. But we just don't know that. We don't know that. And then so they start giving us lists and say, okay, well, you've got this part, you know, you can see, you have a physical, you know, you've got, you can hear. And like, I believe it's meant for that. It's meant to start defragmenting the, the hard drive, you know, to start to, to start to, to get at it. Or Lamarou used to say, you know, start pulling the, the thread in the sweater until it unravels. So how, how do these relate then? How do these 11 physical manifestations stem from the four elements? What does that mean exactly? Well, I think what it means is that in that, that same idea as like the elements are at the, it's like the primal level, like before uh, like before you can have this visual faculty, they would say, then you have to have perhaps this water element or, you know, a combination of the elements. And then they, they solidify enough to actually give you the ability to have an eyeball. <laughs> okay. You know, like, uh, because, sounds, yeah. no, go ahead. Sounds what? So it's like a very evolutionary, like almost what you were saying, like a, a little tadpole crawling out of the water and now it can see you know yeah sees, sees air before it just saw water <laughs> it's like a microscope in a book in in book form really is what it is it's like the combination 
of the four elements become more dense and form right into things like the ability to see the hear, and then somehow you've got sound that see this is the crazy thing where is sound if you go yeah. into meditation get into deep meditation you can hear sound in your head and it sounds like someone singing a song but there's no one singing a song and then if you start to go into meditation on the nature of sound and then you have this idea of okay it's out there somehow and it's coming at me entering this this canal in the side of my head that's doing all this kind of magical vibration thing mm. um and and making it sound a certain way and then the mind gets involved and calls it something and it's just this magic display of elements and space yeah i see it reminds me of that other reading we had a couple shows ago of the, of the magic show of consciousness and the elements riding along yeah. these i don't know if it talked about the four elements of that yeah that makes sense and then what you, you're kind of jumping ahead to the next one of of the feeling so th this stuff happens uh -huh. the, the sound waves hit your ear you know and if you're just a, a frog or something you're not <laughs> you're not sitting there going hey what was that is that a bell you know you're just like sound yeah. hitting ear you know yeah. uh, run away or stay and so but we have the uh the feelings that come from that we would say good bad neutral yeah, and that would be according to Buddhism. It'd be based on the the karma, which is you know okay. So I see another the, part. The <laughs> but the elements are almost are they the are they the batter? Are they the are they literally the elements in a cake? It's chocolate chips and yeah. I think that you can look at it like that. Like they're they're the building blocks of all reality. Okay. Yeah, the ultimate Lego. And if unless there is a person with these, um, you know, ears and eyes to take that in in these certain ways as a sound, as a smell, mm -hmm. um, as something that you see, they would be empty, right? Earth, water, fire, and air. They would just be kind of out there. Or are they even out there? They need to be. <laughs> well, there now. So now you're asking a really heavy question. Like, are are they out there? Right. And this is something that comes down to, you know, immediately whenever we say earth, water, air, fire, is there's an immediate process of labeling that the mind's going to do oh, around yeah. that immediately, you know. Um, and so what are they really like? What are they really when you can still uh, take it all the way back down to zero? And then it rises from from zero and becomes like so. It gets very very uh, tricky to land anywhere where you can say, okay, yeah, there's that's what Earth element is. It seems like maybe it's the like the the very first thing you said as we started here, the independent nature of it. Yeah, Earth needs um, tactile in order to be Earth. And yeah, tactile you can't touch anything if there's nothing there to touch mm -hmm. yeah well you can like what you were just saying about the feelings and the sound and sights you can experience that in meditation like if you're 
I'm sure if anyone out there listening has done uh, any kind of deep retreat, uh, your whole uh, mode of perception changes at some point. You, you go to a place where you no longer have the same relationship that you had with sound like a week before that, which is just another way of proving that uh, sound itself isn't kind of out there existing a certain way or else you'd never be able to have that experience of this fluidity of the experience, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, what's one of my favorite things about, uh, about the Buddhist path that has worked for me is, uh, is that breaks down the barriers of this, uh, outside me and inside me that doesn't, that doesn't actually exist. This isn't an idea that you stop somewhere yeah, and then yeah. something, it's just an idea. Um, and I remember one of my most powerful experiences, it was uh, not long after I came back from uh, Diamond Mountain. I was like there for half a year, you know, meditated a lot. I had some great experiences. And uh, I, I was, what is that? I was driving my car, my, my truck, my work truck or something downtown. And I saw someone uh, lying on the street, on the sidewalk. And they didn't have, uh, they looked cold. And they were lying there. And I was, you know, in this state of uh, pretty, you know, newly sublime state that I had, you know, kind of come come across or had happened to me. And um, I immediately felt that person, not as something separate from me. And I had a coat that in my truck, it was, it was a really nice uh, Levi jean jacket with the, like the sheepskin inside it, you know? Oh yeah, one of my favorite jacket, and I, I just without a moment hesitation, I just grabbed it and like, I parked the truck, ran over there, and this person was asleep. They don't think they even knew that I was there, and I put the, I put the coat on this person, but in that state that I was in, I there was no doubt in my mind that I was putting that coat on myself mm -hmm. that I, and it wasn't something that it, it wasn't special it wasn't it was just that's reality and i felt like the the boundary of my mind didn't exist and that not only was i putting that coat on myself but the entirety of vancouver was inside my mind mm -hmm. And that was an experience, and you might say, someone might say, well, you're just like on drugs. No, but I wasn't on drugs. I was just in a different state. And so then that's how all of these things, you can label your parts differently. You can be sitting in meditation and then the, the veil, the line that you experience is between yourself and sound. Yeah dissolves and then you feel sound like a physical thing you, you know you, a plane goes across the sky and you feel it running up your spine it, it, it's like the, the plane is just a sound running up the your central channel yeah yeah whereas otherwise you'd be like oh yeah they're up there in the sky as an airplane let's the let the sound be the sound and yeah they, they used to always disturb me you know it was when i first started meditating it's like god it's never going to be quiet enough to meditate with the dog and the plane, but no, actually, that's a that's an object of meditation when it occurs. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Because you're watching your mind as it's as it's uh, taking that in. Yeah. And so if any of these elements were in and of themselves, one thing or the other, you could never have a shift of perception like that. Yeah. Right. It can right. never be different. Right. Mm. You know, everything would either make you happy or not. You'd have neutral, you know, you'd always feel neutral about the coffee cup, you know? <laughs> well, you know, speaking of meditation. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Let's uh, call that an episode. <laughs> Meditate. Yeah. 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 That's pretty good. I think we I think we nailed that one. I understand mm -hmm. it. So. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Sounds good to me. So wherever you are, however you are, if you can join us in meditation, approach it like you're entering a soft space. No big deal, just gentle, effortless. Softly closing the eyes. And you straighten your spine so that you can be alert. You're sort of at attention with the spine, but not, you know, cranked into effort, just simple attentiveness. And get a sense of yourself beginning to just let go, relax. Give yourself a gentle smile. No matter how your day has been, no matter how busy the mind has been all day, Don't try to change that or try to stop anything. Simply begin to turn inward and begin to focus on a still, silent space within that is none of that noise. And that has always been there. Place you can always return to just by noticing it.
Take a deep inhale. Reach the crown towards the sky. Brighten, open. And then on the exhale, relax even deeper, but stay with that openness, that clarity. And then do two more rounds of breath like that. Now, we're going to notice elements. Begin to notice earth element. So this is going to be anywhere in the body where you feel solidity, support, firmament. A nice way to touch into that is if your hands are resting on your legs, notice the, the sensation where the two surfaces meet. And do your best to let go of mental images of, oh, there, you know, thighs meet hand. Try to let go of that and just say, oh, earth element. That's earth element. Permanent support. And if you like, you can move around and notice, okay, However, you're sitting or your feet meet ground. Or your seat meets the seat. Try to pick out that earth sensation. And let go of the mental images associated with it. Then begin to notice the water element. The moisture. The saliva. Moisture in the eyeballs. Where else can you detect moisture? Like you can imagine if you were really, really dry, you know, your 
skin would be parched. But somehow there's a fullness, plump, in the hands, and blood. And do the same thing. Like it's, it's just usually the example of uh, saliva. Tune into that sense of moisture, that sense of water element there. And then try to release, let go of the mental images, you know, the, of the mouth, tongue, throat. And focus on water element. And now, fire, fire element, heat, all gradations of heat. So that's going to be you know, warmth or, the, or lack thereof. It could be cool. You can start to notice warmth in your belly, perhaps. the warmth of your hands resting. You may even notice if you're sitting a certain way and your knees are sore, you may, no you may notice that as heat. But wherever you're looking now, Try to do the same thing. Just see it as the element, fire. Release the mental images, the constructs. And then we go to the air element. The movement, the breath. You may feel a rush of energy. Often if you Focus on a certain area of the body, like your central channel, like your spine or something like that. You can sense a movement of wind, of air, which is more fine than the breath itself.
And wherever you're focusing on, if, it's, if it is the intake of air and the feeling of air entering the body, try to notice it everywhere in the body, even in the fingertips and toes. And release the mental map of the body and just be with the sensation of air. Doing your best not to think too much about it. Keep releasing mental images. These pictures of the parts of the body and the mind, keep releasing them. Let them go and come back to the sensations of the elements. Now try, even for a moment, can you notice, can you catch it, that there's the, the, the tendency, the automatic tendency to take all of these elements and just call them one thing, a person, a body. And the mind has this construct of limbs that can move and do things and breathe and a brain that thinks and a face that smiles and moves. Try to catch that it's just a series of events related to the elements that your, your karmic happenstance in the moment labels as the me, I in this body. And try to play with that a little bit. Try to release that and just be with the elements themselves. Without the person being there, just a combination of elements being experienced at once. Earth, water, fire, air.
try to see them as just potential. They could be labeled differently. If your karma is such, you would label those same sensations as the sensations of a Buddha. or a dog. Or some kind of holy bodhisattva. Or a normal human. Try to see that, that potential. Recognize the power of the label that is forced upon upon us by our karmic projection. Can't fight that. So just be real about that and let go. Experience the elements, earth, water. Air, fire. And then as you begin to slowly release the meditation, try to stay with that. And then when you slowly open the eyes, maybe you'll notice those elements making up your reality in other ways. Perhaps you can have a new relationship with your parts, your elements. Just release the meditation. So that kind of meditation can be quite powerful. It can take you right down to very, very base uh, peace. You know, it's uh, pulling away from labels and just getting right down to very, very uh, kind of earthy depth. Be released from this idea of the self. So good luck with that.